This is Smart Poker Study episode 221, post-flop hand reading, facing c-bets, and desperation tilt. In last week's episode number 220, I discussed how a weekly study plan will improve your study efficiency and avoid poker overwhelm. It's poker study time, y'all. Thank you so much for spreading the word about this podcast. I love seeing the tweets, the retweets, the Facebook engagement, all that jazz. And I want to let you know that I just started dropping the five-minute poker coaching videos on YouTube. So all you have to do is go to my YouTube channel, Smart Poker Study, subscribe right there, and you'll get every new video as it drops. Or just simply go to smartpokerstudy.com slash five-minute coaching. That's the number five and all one word, five minute coaching. Right there, you can see all the videos. I'm going to have 13, maybe even 14 or 15 videos in total. Two are up right now. And my goal with all these videos is to hit, uh, to hit upon a different leak that my various listeners, um, uh, have submitted to me. So go to that page, check out those videos, learn a little bit, make sure you complete the action steps for yourself. So if you have that leak, you can go ahead and start plugging it. Alrighty, before we get to the questions and actions, I want to thank my latest Patreon supporter, Vidar Sorensen. He joined just this past week on Patreon. He's supporting me every single month, and I really do appreciate that. Thank you very much, Vidar, and everybody else on Patreon. If you want to start supporting the podcast this way, go to patreon.com slash smartpokerstudy. When you do start your support, you get access to different rewards. Maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's a training video, and you also get access to the entire archive of content. And just next week, I have two post-flop related uh, items coming out. One is a podcast and the other is a video. So if you want more than just this normal free show, support me on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash smartpokerstudy. Alrighty, please visit the show notes page for everything I discussed today, along with screenshots and links at www.smartpokerstudy.com slash pod221. Okay, it's question and action time. We have three good ones today from Ricardo Valenzuela, Chris Baltzer, and of course, lastly but not leastly, John Barry. Let's give them the actions they're looking for. Gambate! Warm it all up! Everything you got! Come on, you hate! You wanna live forever? So question one today is about hand reading on the felt, and it, re and it comes to us from Ricardo Valenzuela. He responded to a free video I sent out to my weekly boost newsletter, right? It's a question, or it was a video about hand reading, and his question, here it is in response to that video. My question to you about the hand would be if you were playing this hand, either live or online now, how long would it take you to be able to break the hand down without the use of Flopzilla, and would you still come up? Uh, to either the same or close to the same conclusion. All right, well, thank you so much for that question, Ricardo. Now, uh, let me give you the action step that I want you all to take in regards to hand reading and then uh, improving your decisions on the felt with that hand reading practice. And then I'll kind of answer this question, right? So here's the action. Over the next five days, play strictly one table focus sessions where your goal is to hand read the first person to enter the pot in every hand played. Depending on how they enter it, the sizings they use, and their player type, picture in your mind the preflop range they're playing with. When the flop hits, gauge how well their range hits the flop. 
and then narrow that range in your mind through the streets based on the actions they take. This kind of practice won't make perfect, but it will help to develop your intuitive senses of your opponent's ranges. So now getting back to just what Ricardo's question was, I have to admit, I cannot do this type of exacting practice on the felt. And who knows if I would come to the same conclusion or roughly, roughly close to it, right? With time to analyze the situation off the felt, the conclusions are going to be so much better than on the felt conclusions. Because you could just, you know, uh, on the felt, you have, if you're online, you have like 30 seconds, 45 seconds for the entire hand to make your decisions, right? Before the start, before the clock starts to count down. Well, when you're off the felt, if you've ever seen my 66 days of hand reading practices, you know, sometimes I take anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes with all that time. Of course, I'm going to come to better conclusions, right? But hand reading exercises, they lead to better decisions. And I know that I'm more frequently thinking about my opponent's ranges. For example, after going through dozens of showdown hands where every turn check raise I faced, or maybe even a c-bet raise, they were all done with a two pair or better hand. Because I did this kind of exercise, it makes it easier in the future to fold all of my top pair, top kicker hands versus a turn, a check raise, or a raise on my c-bet. Now, another thing that hand reading exercises teach us is that somebody can only have hands on any street if they had them on the previous street and pre-flop. For example, on the turn, the board is deuce, three, nine, ace, and you have a set of nines. You were the pre-flop three better, and they just called your c-bet on the flop. So sure, you could be a little bit concerned that maybe now on the turn, you are, or your set is now beat by a set of aces, or five, four, for that straight that they just turned a straight. But does your opponent call with those pre-flop, and do they just call on the flop? Possibly, but it's highly unlikely in a 3-bet pot. Pocket aces most of the time, they 4-bet, or they would come over your flop c-bet. And the other hand, 5-4, that's not likely going to call a 3-bet pre-flop. They could call with 5-4 on the flop, but if they can't have that hand pre-flop, then they can't get to the turn with it. One last thing to keep in mind, though, is that your opponent's prior showdown hands will influence the preflop range that you put them on. So if you've seen your opponent call a preflop 3-bet with aces or 5-4, then you're going to have to take this into account and maybe approach this ace on the turn a little bit differently. Alrighty, thank you so much for that question, Ricardo. I appreciate it. Question two today comes to us once again about hand reading, but this is about quantifiable stats, tracking your stats to see how your progress is going. And this one comes to us from Chris Baltzer. Here's his question. This week, I'm studying hand reading, but I'm not sure what quantifiable stats I can track to monitor any progress I make. Any suggestions? Well, thank you so much for this uh, question, Chris. I'm really glad that you're thinking about this because hand reading itself is great, but also seeing how your different stats change as you uh, do this hand reading practice, that just kind of keys you in on the effects that your hand reading is having on you. So here's the action that I want you to take, Chris, and everybody else. For the next 20 hand reading exercises that you do off the felt, choose hands that revolve around one skill you want to improve. Maybe you want to understand your opponent's c-bets more. So choose hands that went to showdown where you faced a c-bet. Next, figure out which stats will be affected by your improved understanding. In this instance, 
because you're understanding what your opponents are c-betting with more. You could track fold to c-bet and raise c-bet. And you would track these stats before you start your 20 hand reading exercises and then at the end. Alrighty, and I know from experience that that exercise right there, 20 hand reading, as you know, I did 66 days before. But 20 is a really good way to work on one specific skill. Do all your hand reading around that one. So don't just select random hands every day, right? Do it for the full 10, 20, even 66 days. In that action that I just gave you, I use the example of wanting to understand c-bets more. So here's a little bit more detail on exactly what you can do if this is your focus. Every day, do a full hand reading practice where you faced a flop c-bet and it went to showdown. As you narrow your opponent's range, use their c-bet stats on the flop, the turn, and the river to gauge what hands you can remove from their c-betting ranges. This will give you tons of practice analyzing your opponent's c-betting patterns on different boards, and you'll gain a better grasp of their c-bet stat, and just the c-bet stat in general. And as you're doing this off-the-felt practice, in every session that you play on the felt, you want to have a facing c-bet focus. So before you call preflop, visualize their range. Also, look at their flop c-bet and turn c-bet stats before you make that call so you kind of know what to expect on the flop. You also want to tag any hand that confuses you or maybe it's an interesting hand for study the next day. You can also do your hand reading on some of these tagged hands from the prior day. Now your ultimate question, Chris, was about the stats to track the quantifiable stats. Here's what I would recommend in relation to a focus on facing c-bets. You want to track your call pre-flop 2-bet by position. Also track your win rate when calling 2-bets pre-flop. Track your call flop c-bet, both in position and out of position, and track your win rate when you're calling the flop c-bet. Track the raise flop c-bet stat, both in position and out of position. Also track the win rate when you're raising the flop c-bet. And then track for the same, I just said the call flop c-bet and raise flop c-bet. Track these same stats and win rates for call turn c-bet and raise turn c-bet. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash smartpokerstudy. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from and plenty of poker titles, including my three books, How to Study Poker Volume 1, Volume 2, and my latest book, Preflop Online Poker. Here's what I recommend. When you start your trial, get Preflop Online Poker first as your first free book because it's $19.95. It's a bit more expensive than the others. And then with your next month, the free book that you get every month, get How to Study Poker Volume 1. Study that first and then study Preflop Online Poker. It'll help you get more out of that book. Once again, go to audibletrial.com smartpokerstudy to start learning from audiobooks. And I've got a few shout outs today. The first one goes out to everybody who purchased the January Bread and Butter uh, webinar. Here they are. John Sanford, David, John Zimmerman, Johan Cederlin, David Hanner, Alexander, Daniel Blumenstock, Brian, Quiet Jim, Janine Green, CJ Bell, Michael Bulos, Laura Sadowski, Chad O'Donnell, Alexei Abdalov, 
Oliver, Zelko Arno, Trent, John Gray, Ajit Chala, Marianne Fontana, Matt, Brian, Wayne Weeks, Thomas Ternay, Terry Mia, Lewis Sterling, John Walsh, and Jim Rush. Thank you all so much for getting the first installment of the 29 Leak Plugging Webinar Series uh, you know, for January. Thank you very much. February is coming out soon, so I'll give everybody more details on that as we get closer to it. And Afonso purchased Poker Tracker 4 through my affiliate link. He supported the podcast, and at the same time, he's upping his online poker game by tracking hands and utilizing the Smart HUD, which I gave to him for free for supporting the podcast this way. If you want to get Poker Tracker 4 for yourself, just go to smartpokerstudy.com slash Poker Tracker 4. That's the number 4 at the end right there. That's how Afonso did it. He supported the pod, and I rewarded him for doing so. And lastly, speaking of the Smart HUD and Poker Tracker 4, Adam Lennon purchased it by going to smartpokerstudy.com slash smart HUD. Right after he made the purchase, he was able to download and start using the Smart HUD. And then shortly after that, I sent him some video links for, uh, I guess, to get more out of Smart HUD, as well as get more out of Poker Tracker 4. So thank you very much, Adam Lennon and Afonso, for your podcast support. Alrighty, y'all, back to class. So question three comes to us today regarding desperation tilt, and it's from John Barry. Here's what he said. My biggest, and I mean super big problem, I suffer from chasing losses, usually after a bad beat, but it could just as easily be after a session of bad play. This tends to lead to more reckless bad play in a desperate attempt to recoup my stack as soon as possible, which leads to deeper tilt, which can lead me to blowing my entire bankroll. Any practical advice you can share would be great. All right. Well, thank you very much for this email, John. And I'm sorry to hear that you suffer from this, but honestly, everybody suffers from this, at least in the, in part a little bit, right? So uh, here's my action step for you. Whip out a piece of paper and write down the early signs that signify your desperation tilt is increasing and the specific things that trigger your tilt. The more you know about how you're affected, the better you will become at handling the situations. And during your play sessions, from now on, for the rest of your life, take regular hourly or half-hourly breaks from the table. Use the break to assess where you are at mentally. Go for a walk, use the restroom, do some push-ups. Do things that take your mind off of any beats or losses that you suffered. And then only return to the table when you know you're in the right mental space and you're not suffering from that desperation tilt, not entering higher stakes, not betting bigger in, the, in an attempt to regain that money. Alrighty, so desperation tilt, it's not a quick and easy fix. This type of tilt, it's a buildup of all the anger and desperation that you felt in the past. So it's going to take concentrated effort to fix. One of my favorite audiobooks is Jared Tendler's The Mental Game of Poker. Uh, you can get this on audible.com, of course, and on Amazon. I've listened to it three or four times now after reading the book itself, you know, the physical copy, and then listening to it kind of helps ingrain or just refamiliarize myself with all the ideas he presents, right? So chasing losses, it's something that too many players deal with, and he discusses it starting on page 145 in the Desperation Tilt section. A desperate player, they're going to do anything to get back those losses. And it's a form of accumulated tilt and anger and frustration at losing, he discusses. So here's a logic statement to tell yourself before each session that you play and after you suffer a big loss, maybe. Here it is. Losing an entire stack is part of the game. 
So I accept that this will happen sometimes, but I'm going to earn more stacks from my opponents than they earn from me due to my superior play and my ability to stay in control. And getting back to uh, the mental game of poker book, uh, Jared Tendler gives a 10-step strategy for getting over desperation tilt, starting on page 148. And the two tasks that I gave you within the action to this question a moment ago, uh, they are numbers two and four out of that 10-step strategy. So I highly recommend to you, John, and to everybody else who suffers from desperation tilt, uh, get that book, or if you already have it, take it off the shelf and start reading from page 145 and on uh, in order to get beyond this form of tilt. Alrighty, thanks for the question, John. Challenge! Here's my challenge to you for this episode. I just gave you three different potential actions to take. Now it's your time to shine! Choose the one that's most applicable to what you're striving for right now, and step into action! Playing and studying with purpose are the best ways to improve your game. And to help you out, here are some inspiring words from Lieutenant Ratchek in Starship Troopers. This is for you new people. I only have one rule. Everyone fights, no one quits. If you don't do your job, I'll shoot you. You get me. We get you, sir! This episode isn't complete until you head to the show notes page at www.smartpokerstudy.com slash pod221. Go there for screenshots and links to everything I discussed today and to discover ways in which you can support the podcast to keep me keeping on. Well, thanks again for listening today. Make sure you step into action with today's challenge if you want to get the most out of the episode. And please go to smartpokerstudy.com slash five minute coaching to get started on those five minute leak plugging videos I have out there. And if you have your own questions, I have actions for you. Send me an email, sky at smartpokerstudy.com. Alrighty, poker people, in the next Strategy Friday episode number 222, we're going to continue with the post-flop February theme, so I'm going to be discussing C-Bets. Word of mouth is the best advertising, so thank you very much for sharing the show with other poker people. Your sharing and caring is what helps us grow. Until next time, study smart. Play much and make your next session the best one yet.